Well, good morning. morning. Let's just give the band another round of applause. I thought they were awesome. If you're not awake yet, you will be because, like, there's no slow songs today. It's, like, hit after hit after hit after hit, but hopefully very worshipful and helps you engage with God because I thought they were amazing um, and some of my favorite songs that they did. So... Uh, I'm really thankful for them. Anyways, thanks for coming to check out our service. My name is Aaron. I'm the pastor here at Centerpoint Church. Um, our mission here is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Whether that means it's giving you a place to pop in and take off right away. Whether that means giving you a place to help you start a relationship with God. Or whether that means helping you mature or grow in your relationship with God. We want to help you take your next step. We're in uh, our third week of our four-week series called grace bomb. And in week one, which was Easter, we talked about how on Easter, Jesus drops the biggest bomb of grace in forgiving us and guiding us to have a life fully with God. And in response to that, when we are connected with him, we are grace-built people set to grace bomb people is what we learned in our first week. Uh, Then week two or last week, we talked about being a master bomber and we looked to Jesus as a master in how he loaded and how he listened and how he let her go of grace bombs or acts of opportunity to give grace. And this week, we're talking about blasting the fear away of doing a grace bomb. And as we continue today, you might be wondering, like, what's a grace bomb or what's with all the language or wordage of, of the word bomb? Honestly, I have to confess a little bit. I feel a little awkward, like, posting on social media using the word bomb. You know, like, like, I just feel like it's like saying bomb on a plane right now. Like, I just, I don't even like saying it on stage. Like, I have to, like, kind of look, look around, like, make sure no one's thinking I'm thinking something else. Um, I have to think twice. Anyways, the word grace bomb, it's this combination of grace and bomb. It's a combination of grace and bomb. And, and honestly, if we look at the word and break it down, first off, grace is a church word. But what it means is giving of an undeserved or unexpected gift. And it's sometimes seen as like this respectful goodwill offering. And then bombs are explosions or disruptions or something that infiltrates. When we put grace and bomb together, you get grace bomb, which means a grace bomb is an intentional act of love motivated by Jesus. It's a surprising gift meant to brighten your neighbor's day. So grace bomb is something you do to another. It's a random, infiltrating act that people are like, wait, what? Why? Like, wow, thank you. That's a grace bomb. When you get that response, that's a grace bomb. Essentially, a grace bomb is a perfect picture of what Jesus has done for us personally and for others. When he, as God, lived this perfect life here on earth, as we should, but then gracefully takes the consequences of our mess-ups that we've all done, he dies this gruesome death for us in our place to make the law or the standard that God requires right with us so that we can be fully with God one day. It's this bomb of grace a gift that we weren't expecting or even deserved. Today, we're going to talk about the times like when you, we experience an opportunity to grace bomb someone or give grace to someone, and you're like, you're ready, you're listening for an opportunity, but then it sits with you and you're like, nah, I'm good. You know, like, I, I, I just, that's too awkward or it's too out there. It's too scary. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, you're like, I'm about to do this really nice thing. And then you're like, nah, no. 
I, I think we do it with a lot of things. Like sometimes with food is like one that like I think naturally comes. Like you're at a restaurant and you have like two things picked out on the menu. One, you can't pronounce the name of the, the food. And then the other one, cheeseburger. You know, like you're, you're like going back and forth. You're like, should I get that thing I can't even pronounce? Or should I get the cheeseburger? And you're going back and forth, back and forth. And the waiter comes and then they're, they, they go to, you're like, you go first, you go first. And no one else orders the weird thing. And you're like, uh, cheeseburger. You know, you, you, get, you get nervous. You, you feel awkward about it. Or another example of this, of where we get nervous or are afraid at times, is, is challenges. Like you see someone do something awesome and you're like, I would love to do that. And then the time comes and you're like, someone's like, all right, I got the stuff. Let's do it. You're like, nah, I'm good. You know, I'm, I, I don't need to do that now. Nah. Or, or finally, is it with like a hobby or a passion that you just wanted to do forever all over the world or all over the nation and you kind of chickened out? For me, that's what this is here for. Um, it was surfing. Surfing was this hobby I, I really wanted to get involved in and do more and more of. Um, it's one that's just like was always super alluring to me. Like growing up, um, I kind of wanted to be like the sexy chill surfer, you know, like the layback type, long hair, like just chilling. Um, but for real, actually, I, I thought it was like so cool that like it's this unique thing where you're connected to like kind of the world and like the waves and this natural thing, but you're also riding a board and it's, it just was awesome. I wanted to do this hobby. I mean, like look at this video. Like this is me the other day. Just kidding. Um, no, but like it just looks so natural. You're cruising, you're just hanging out on a wave and it also looks kind of cold, but it just it was this, this thing I really wanted to do. So I picked it up uh, about 10 years ago. I surfed in Spain, and I thought that was the first moment I thought I literally was going to die. It was the first moment in my life I thought for sure I was dead. Like, I, I was riding, like, some waves, and all of a sudden I get hit, and I had no idea where top was or, like, you know, air was, and I just remember doing this and this, and I'm like, this is it, this is it, this is it. <gasps> Boom, and then I got hit with another wave. Like, it was just, like, wave after wave after wave. So that was my first experience, and it was awesome. <laughs> um, but it continued. I, I still had a passion for it. I uh, went to Florida, and I've surfed there a couple times. I went to Costa Rica. I've surfed there a couple times. Uh, and then both my wife, we kind of got into it, and we specifically bought these. We have two of these, and they're paddle boards and surfboards. They're hybrids, so like we can go into the lakes around us here. But then you maybe have heard me talk before if you've been here before uh, about us traveling in a van around the U.S. And we would travel in different places and we brought our boards and we hit the Pacific, we hit the Atlantic, and it was just amazing. And I had a bucket list place when we were on our trip and it was in Oregon. And uh, I was like ready to surf it. I was so excited. And then all of a sudden... I see like this, you know, like, that's a rock with waves. Yeah, that's not like a storm, that's, that's waves, you know, like, I see this and I was like, that was my dream, is to surf with these giant, these giant rocks and these big waves, and we get up there and I'm like, nah, I'm good, you know, like, I think we're good, like, and this was our whole trip, like, we have a big stop, and I'm like, ah, no need to do this. Now, the reason I tell you this is there are times where we go into self-preservation mode, right? Where fear kicks in and we stick to, like, our comfort zone. Have you been there before? Like, can you think of a time you're like, oh, no, nah, I'm not doing that. It's something I think many of us do, especially when it comes to giving grace. Uh, putting yourself out there, standing for grace. Uh, it's hard because, honestly, 
It's scary. You feel like maybe you don't have enough resources or time or money or ability or, or the guts to even do it. It's scary to get out of your comfort zone for Jesus, to exercise grace. You hear me all the time, I talk about my failures uh, of doing different things for God, and there was this recent one, it's actually this week, um, but there was a time where I dropped the ball on doing a grace bomb. Again, you, if you've been here, we, we have these cards, they're in the seat in front of you, and you do an act of grace, and you give someone a card that says, like, hey, I was motivated by Jesus to, to share grace with you. Um, we'll talk more about that in a bit, but I was looking for an opportunity to do that this week. I've been looking all over the place, and there's this one chance, uh, actually three chances with the same person, dropped the ball all three times. I felt like uh, in the biblical nerd out, like, I felt like Peter at that moment, but it was Sunday after church. I was, I was here, and uh, everyone's gone, I'm tired, and I leave the parking lot, and there's a guy, he's got like three bags, he's wheeling a, a suitcase, and I'm like, you know, I should just like see if he, if he needs something, or maybe a ride or something. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm too busy. I gotta get home. My wife's expecting me. I dropped the ball didn't do it and felt bad about that and then like Wednesday comes around I see the same guy and I still don't do anything and then finally I'm at my meeting I had a couple meetings at Annie's on Thursday Annie's uh, Fountain Cafe and he's there and I still don't do anything like I feel it but I'm just, like, fearful of it. I'm scared. Like, I'm scared to go out of my comfort zone and ask this person, do you, do you need something? Can I help you? Can I, can I buy you lunch? Whatever. I was scared, and I dropped the ball three times. Have you been there before? I'm not, like, proud of this, by the way. Like, this is awkward for me to share this. But, like, have you been there before? Like, do you struggle with following through? Do you do the first two steps of grace bombing, which is like, if you've missed that these last two weeks, it's getting ready, it's, it's having grace ready in you, and then it's listening for an opportunity, but when you do those things, you just don't follow through. Well, we got to get past this. we got to get past this. There's a time in the Bible that we're going to look at today, and it's where someone was dealing with the same struggle as us. Um, his name is Gideon. Uh, he's a guy from the Old Testament, and God calls him to do some amazing things for him. Uh, yes, this dude was afraid, though, to do what God called him to do. A little bit you need to know about Gideon before we dive into his story is Gideon was a judge. Uh, back then, judges came before the king, so there wasn't a king for God's people at that time. Um, so it's in the Old Testament. And Gideon is an Israelite. He, he is coming from a family that was rescued from Moses. Uh, you maybe have heard that story where God's people were oppressed in slavery and Moses saves them. Um, so Gideon, he knows his people have gone through victories and losses with God. He's seen that God has provided for them in so many different ways. Well, that's where we, we, we hear what Gideon has to do from God. This is where our scripture picks up. Gideon, uh, what he's doing is, is an angel appears to Gideon. And at that time, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, threshing wheat, this is like obviously not Old Testament, but threshing wheat is, is kind of messy, right? Like it's, it's, it's hitting like the, the wheat so that it separates and what's happening is it's a messy thing. Well, it doesn't normally happen in a wine press. It doesn't happen in a wine press. Gideon is in a wine press 
because his people are being bullied or oppressed by this other nation, the Midianites, they're called. And what's happening is he's hiding. He's hiding because he's scared. He's scared of of what's going around, and he's threshing wheat in this wine press. But here is where God meets him. Here's where this angel meets him, and it happens again in a wine press. And it says, the Lord, this angel appears to him, and it says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Like, you mighty man, the Lord's with you. I don't know about you, but if someone showed up to me like that, I first would be like, you talking to me? You know, like, I'm in the wine press. Like, have you, like, realized where I am? You're talking to me? I'm also scrawny. I'm not mighty. You know, like... If you get our emails, uh, weekly emails, you saw this picture, like, uh, I'm scrawny. I, I don't have muscles. Like, I'd be like, if God said that to me, I'd be like, are you kidding? No, not me. Well, Gideon kind of has the same response to that. He, 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 uh, he responds saying, like, are you sure? But he kind of counters God, and he says uh, something in his opportunity to talk with God. He says, it uh, continues in Judges 6, it says, Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. I think many of us can relate to this conversation, right? You have an opportunity with God, he shows up, and you're like, I'm taking full advantage of this. Like, I'm asking some questions, like, what's going on in the world, God? Like, who else would be there? I think a lot of us would be there. We're like, what is going on in the world, God? Like, God, why is all this bad stuff happening right now? If we bring it to our context, like, why is our nation in such turmoil? Why are so many people hurting? Why are we experiencing this virus? To just name a few questions, you would ask God if you had that opportunity, right? And even the last statement Gideon makes in that verse, he says, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? My, my fathers have talked about that. He's saying, you supposedly did all these great things in the past. I wasn't there, though. I wasn't there. I didn't see those things. Where are you now, is what he's saying to, to God, to this angel. I struggle with that. I think that. I think, God, are you really for me right now? Where are you right now in my circumstance? We're always real and honest here at Center Point. Sometimes, I honestly, I feel that way. And I'm guessing you do too at times. Well, let's continue to see what happens. Uh, It says, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. So the angel doesn't really respond to his questions. He's just like, Hey, you're going to go do this grace bomb to Israel. So go do this. Do something mighty and contrary to what Gideon thinks he even has a possibility to do. Uh, to put it in perspective, like for me, I think like, like surfing, it would be like God saying to me like, you know, there's a tsunami coming, Aaron. Go ride that wave. You know, like, I'd be like, didn't you see me? Like, I was in Oregon. I didn't want to ride those waves. Like, no way. What? You crazy? That's what Gideon's feeling like. And Gideon responds, what? Do you not see where I am again? I'm in this wine press. I'm scared. There's no way I'm doing this. Actually, I, I like to think he's probably more of like a typical man. Uh, and he didn't say he was scared. He just did like one of these like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, uh-huh, 
Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, now I want to pause there for a second. Uh, we, I told you that the angel kind of ignored Gideon's questions of like, why is this all happening to us? Why are we going through this? Um, did he like o- avoid that question? No. Um, if you actually look a few chapters before, God sent this prophet to tell his people, to tell Gideon's people why bad things were happening. And what it was was idolatry. Uh, this prophet was like, you guys are idolizing too many things. And that answer has already been there. Gideon's just kind of reiterating questions. But in Gideon's head nodding, as a man, I'm guessing, he shifts his focus and he said to him, he says to this this angel, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. It's Judges 6.15. He's saying, I'm a nobody. I know where my clan is. I know where my tribe is. I know how we are. I know we're not good. I can't put myself out there. I don't have the resources to drop this type of grace bomb. Gideon's like, my people are like the B team. You need the A team. I'm like Robin. I'm not Batman. I'm a bench warmer. I'm not like the star player. I'm Gary from Parks and Rec. I'm a nobody. Or I'm Kevin, my office fans. Like, I'm nobody. That was for you, you fans, if you're an office or Parks and Rec fans. But anyways, he's saying, I'm a nobody. I don't know about you. This is how I feel sometimes. You feel God pushing you to care for others, but you're like, nah, I'm too busy. You feel God saying, like, you should help orphans. And you're like, ah, I can't do that. I don't have the skills. Or you should, oh, you should go feed the hungry. And you're like, ah, I don't even know where to start. Or you should go and serve. And you're like, I'm not that type of a churchy person. No. Or oh, you, should, you should share your faith. And you're like, I don't even know the Bible that well. You have excuses, and we experience fear in these moments. But if we look at Gideon's situation and his own fear, we can see that this fear that he's experiencing, it also comes with a promise from God. It comes with some prompting from God. And it, it's in Judges 6.16. It says, And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And it's true. It happens. It's true that Gideon is able to do this, to conquer the Midianites. And it's true that you can accomplish big things for God. I want to show you kind of a a fast-forward view into Gideon's life as God just kind of keeps showing up after time after time with Gideon. When you get home, you got to read it. It's it's basically Judges like 5 to 8. Read it. It's good stuff. But what we see in Gideon's life is God drops what I want to say is five different grace bombs on Gideon to get him to feel ready to let her go and fulfill the grace bomb God originally wanted him to do. You can see him up here. I'm going to talk about each of them. The first one was a sign of fire. Uh, God provides a sign of fire, like this instant fire, uh, burning up some, some of these offerings that Gideon gives to God. And it was the sign saying, I'm God. Because you remember, Gideon knows the stories of Moses. He knew Moses experienced this burning bush that was non-consumed. And he sees this fire all of a sudden just randomly coming out of nowhere, burning his offering. That was the sign to show that I'm the God of Moses. I'm the God of Moses. It was this gift God gave Gideon to kind of encourage him along. It was a grace bomb that helped Gideon see that God is with him. I mean, imagine if that was you, right? Like you're like, you feel like God maybe wants you to do something, and all of a sudden, boom, fire. You'd be like, God's with me. 
This is amazing. You'd be jacked. You'd be like, God's on my side. You'd be going around like, hey, did you know I experienced fire the other day with God? Like, you'd be so excited, right? Like, you, like, you couldn't not tell people. Yet, Gideon still won't do his original call. So God keeps showing up. The second sign was his dad. Uh, what happens is God kind of like, prompts him again. He says, hey, you know what? There's some idols in the city. Uh, there's some counterfeit idols. They're called Baal, which would be like other gods. Um, there's idols for them. I want you to go and tear them down um, and get rid of them. Um, so would you go do that? And Gideon's like, eh, I'm scared, but I'll do it at night because I don't want anybody to see me. I don't want people in the city to know who I am. I don't want my family to know who, what's going on. So he goes in the city with, with a servant, and he tears down these idols, and he comes back home, and sure enough, in the morning, people are knocking on his door. Was that you, Gideon? And what happens is Gideon's dad comes out and answers the door, and he says, why don't you let Baal fight for himself? Why don't you let this God fight for himself? Why do you need to do it? And his dad stands up for him, and that his dad did that in a prompt from God. So that was another grace bomb sign, this gift to Gideon that he like, felt encouraged by God. So finally Gideon's like, all right, I'll do this army, God. You've, you've proven it to me. I'll raise up an army of 32,000 people to go against the Midianites. Yet close before the battle, he gets scared again. And he says to God, I need something more. I need more. I want to I just pause there for a second. I want you to think for yourself. Have you been there before? Like you're puffed up, you're ready to go for God. You're starting to do what God wants. You feel good about it. But then you're like, ah, I don't know. I'm completely unsure. That's what happens in Gideon's situation. So Gideon, he starts to question God and he says to God, I need some confirmation from you. And he does this thing with a piece of fleece. And I think this is the third grace bomb from God to Gideon. Uh, it's something that you've probably, if you've heard of Gideon before, you probably remember hearing something about a fleece. Um, but what happens is he says to God, I'm going to put this fleece out. And God, if I'm going to win this battle, make the fleece wet and everything else around it dry. And so it happens. And Gideon uh, is like, could you reverse it now? You did it one way. Could you reverse it? Like, so now he's like, I want you to make everything wet and make this dry. So that happens. And God gracefully reverses it. Now on a side note, this is not a pattern for us to follow, right? Throughout scripture, God isn't one who is looking for us to be like, God, I got a test for you now. I got something I want you to do to prove to me that this is what you want me to do. God, what should I do? I'm, I'm going to fleece it out in a sense. Should I do this or that? Like, should I put this fleece out? And you tell me if it's dry or, or, or what? And that'll be my sign whether I should go forward or not. Or I got a magic eight ball, God. Whatever the answer is, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit like this. I'm going to either go forward or not, whatever it says. That's not how God works. Uh, what we tend to see in Scripture is God looks for obedience, a follow through. So I think this was a unique time. It was a unique grace bomb for Gideon. But more scripture, it points through obedience of your feelings. Well, God and Gideon's journey continues after the fleece, uh, and God grace bombs a few more times. God comes up and is like, hey, Gideon, you know what? You're 32,000 men. It's too many people. It's too many people. So get rid of, like, the people that don't really want to be here. Just tell them they can go home. Well, that leaves 10,000. And then God's like, still too many. 
And he's like, you know what, let's go down to the water and let's, we're just going to kind of eliminate some people. So however, like, they drink, so, like, some are going to drink from the water, some are going to drink from their hand. Let's keep the ones from their hand and, like, we'll keep those. Well, that leaves 300. 300 people. So kind of a weird way to separate, but that's how it works. So it's 300 versus 135,000. Is that, like, plausible? Like, that's crazy. But God does this purposefully to show him this is God's battle. This is God's battle. This is God fighting the battle. God is grace bombing him and showing that he is ready to battle with such bad odds, right? Yet he's still afraid. Gideon is still afraid after God experiences this. So God does one more grace bomb. He tells Gideon, I want you to go sneak down, sneak down to the, the other camp and just kind of hear what's going on with the other soldiers, And as he does this, the night before the battle, he hears some of the Midianites sharing a dream they had of losing a battle against a guy named Gideon. And finally, after this, Gideon worships. He worships God. Uh, It's in Judges 7.15. It says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped God. After all these things, God wins the battle against the Midianites with Gideon. Gideon receives these personal grace bombs from God, and he is able to follow through the bomb prompted by God that we heard in the the request from God in the beginning. Now, this relates, I think, to us so much because not only do we feel like Gideon in wanting to act on our bomb, but we're scared to do it, but also we have some of the same truths from his life that I think applies to ours. For you, God might not do the fleece thing. He might not give you a sign of fire or show you a dream. But let's talk about what he has already told you through scripture. Because honestly, God tells us the same thing Gideon heard from the angel. And there are three particular things uh, that we can hear or see that God tells us that applies to Gideon. Uh, The first one is, you're mighty. Remember, he says, you are a mighty man was how it started the verse. And Actually, if you're a Christian person, it talks about how you are a mighty person. Your identity in Christ makes you mighty. I'll read it for you. It's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, 26 to 28. It says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise according to your worldly standards. Not many of you not many were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. We're nobodies, it's saying. And we're mighty, though, when we're connected to God. Example of this, like, as I was thinking about it, is, like, almost, it's this church, it's how this church is formed. Like, I'm, I'm a nobody. Like, I, I've, done, I've been a pastor for a while, but, like, I'm not, like, from a big church or, like, I don't have, like, fancy training or all that. Like, um, this is just kind of a passion. And I, like, studied and studied and coached, but, like, I, it started as meeting, like, with people for dinner. Like, hey, do you want to, like, start a church? And this is kind of, like, what we're thinking. And people would be like, yes, this is a need. Uh, and it just slowly morphed and people were able to fill different voids and be a part of different things and, and just accomplish what we have. We have over 130 people every week, basically. Like, it's, it's been growing significantly. It's, it's this huge thing that started from a nobody, I want to call myself. A nobody. And it's turned into what it is today. 
I was able to do that because I had a mighty God on my side who, who helped me rally a team, who rallied other people to be a part of this, to do his vision, his purpose. I was mighty because God was mighty through me. That's the same for you. That's the same for you. If I had to do this without God, like a church, I'd be like, I'm out. No thanks. Um, because with God, I know the miraculous, the unpredicted, the not statistically possible, those things can happen. So what are you mighty for? What do you need to be reminded you have God's support with today? The next thing uh, that we can see from Gideon is, is that, that God says Gideon was sent. He was sent, and you are sent. Gideon was sent on this mission to do this grace bomb. You are purposely sent to do grace bombs. And Jesus, he sent us personally. It, it says this in John 20, 21. It says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus, he got in this world with us. He saw us. Jesus got under our burdens like he had humility. And then Jesus carried out a mission. He, he sacrificed for us. So when God sends, he provides resources. He did that for Jesus. And he did so with Jesus, and he does so with us. He sends us. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. When you give, pour yourself out, you will see opportunities for good work. So where are you being sent? Where are you being sent? Where is God pushing you to go? And then lastly, lastly, the last thing Gideon had is, that you have also, is you have numbers. You have numbers. And the numbers God believes is, is necessary. I'll read it for you, Matthew 28, 18 and 20. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're not alone, it's saying. There's, there's members of all nations we're not alone when we step out in our faith. We're stepping out to where Jesus has gone before and already is, but we're also stepping into a role that others have walked to. Others have made grace bombing acts. You're not alone when you do these grace bombs. You are a grace-built person made to grace bomb people, to share in the promises of Gideon, to overcome your fear and stepping out of your comfort zone. So where do you need the follow-through on? To defeat your fear? Is it realizing that you're mighty, you're sent, or that you have numbers, you have support? As I wrap up this week, for you, I'll ask you again what do you need to do to defeat the fear to be graceful, to do a grace bomb? Is it realizing you are mighty when you have God on your side? Today, maybe you've embraced, like, this is the first time you're like, you know what, I think I want God on my side. I've, I've never experienced that before and you want to be part of God's family, you, you can just tell him, God, I want your direction, I want your vision, I want your purpose, and you start a relationship with him, and that's becoming a Christian, that's following God. I'll give you a chance to do that in a prayer at, in a second here. But maybe you've done that before, but you want to push yourself to embrace the concept that the God of the universe is on your side, and you are walking in grace bombs that he's prompted for you. You are mighty with him. Embrace that. That's something you need to do. Maybe for you, this week, you need to be reminded that you're sent. You felt tugs from God, that God is specifically sending you to a specific place. Is it someone at work? Is it a neighborhood? Is it an organization? Is it out and about? Where are you sent to serve and to grace bomb people? I know 
as I shared with you, I have someone I'm watching for this week. <laughs> I have someone that I'm sent, hopefully in this parking lot, that I'll be able to grace bomb. Or finally for you, is it reminding you that you have numbers? You have support with you. Others have gone this way. Others have done these grace bumps. Others locally and worldly are pursuing the same mission as you are. You can look at uh, the Grace Bomb website. It's gracebomb.org. And this is an organization that we're just kind of partnering with and being a part of. But they have tons of stories, tons of ideas of how you can actually grace bomb. So I'm going to pray that we can move past fear this week and grace bomb others. If you want help moving past fear, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, giving us a, a clear example of of how you've prompted us to do some amazing things for you. Through Gideon, we've seen that we should overcome fear. God, and we, we've seen that you provide the things that are necessary. Some of us right now are saying, God, we, we, want, it, we want that connection with you. We want those promptings. We want the, the steps. We want the purpose that you provide. And God, we want to start this relationship with you where we can hear those things more and more and more. And then, God, some of us, we're ready to do that uh, already. We've already said that. But, God, we want, to, we want to do more for you. Help us get past the fear so that we can actually act on grace this week. In your name we pray. 